0: Our New Testament reading today is from Luke, chapter 3. If you will look in your pew Bible on page 45 in the New Testament. Page 45. I'll be reading Luke 3, 1 through 6. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip ruler of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Lysanias ruler of Abilene. During the high priest of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. This is the word of our Lord.
1: I usually get in trouble whenever the instructions say, or the box says, some assembly required. Does that happen to you? Uh, My tendency is to jump right in. I'll open up a box. In fact, I did this yesterday. I'd ordered something from Amazon. Uh, The drone brought it and dropped it at our house. Not really, but that's going to be cool when that happens. And uh, I opened it up, and I just dove right into it. I do not even look at the instructions. I just put the instructions aside. It's not anything personal. I just would rather, I mean, I don't even think about it. I just move right into the project and start assembling. And what always happens, I mean, always happens, is I get to the end of the project, and I have all these pieces left over. And, you know, you just think, well, these are extra pieces. They were so nice, they sent extra pieces, when in reality, they tend to short you a few pieces, right? The uh, manufacturing uh, lab over in China somewhere uh, laughs because they, you know, leave a few screws out. But I always get to the end of my project, and something is not right. It doesn't look right. It it, it just uh, doesn't sound right. It's just not right. I wonder if you're that same way. Uh, There are always steps and things that go into a project. It always involves uh, a level or several levels of preparation. What we've heard from our gospel text today is all about preparation. In fact, uh, Sabra uh, put together our altar table this morning and uh, spelled it out for us. Uh, Prepare. This is the Sunday of peace and preparation. It is uh, a time for us to think about our role in putting together this thing, this project, this kingdom that God has called us to be a part of, not just uh, to enjoy for ourselves, but to help construct in our world. And so we hear from John's word today, this John the Baptist, Uh, and this week as we were looking for a picture to put in here, I I showed a few of them to uh, Sabra Hicks, uh, just trying to show her that there are no good pictures of John the Baptist. I mean, not that I know what he looked like anyway, but just in going through and looking at all the various pictures of of John the Baptist, uh, they either are with him decapitated, which was the fate of his life. Uh, Or they are, with him, uh, just not looking at at all what we would think John would look like. This one, I think, wins the prize. Uh, This is probably a good picture of how scraggly, of how wild, um, and how wilderness-oriented John the Baptist was. And as we think about uh, John the Baptist, we think about just his role of being this prophet. He is this forerunner who is called by God to do something very special. He is called to prepare. And for John, he is not one who just jumps into the project. He is one who follows the directions. He is one, and I I like in this next uh, image here, of him calling people out. He is um, just crying out for people to come and to follow God, to get in step with what God is doing in the world. And at that time, baptism was uh, something that they would have understood to be a part of change in their lives. It is a step of repentance. It is showing other people, as well as God, that you're serious. You're serious about what it is that you need to do with your life. And so John is out there doing this. He's calling Israel to get in line with God, that God is about to do something big. And if if you as a nation are not in line with God, then it's not going to happen. He will go another route or he'll do something different, but it's not going to happen through you. And so John is really urgent and he is calling with great urgency for something to be done. As we think about this today on this Sunday of Advent, we recognize that we are not Israel. We are the church And we have been called with a very special kind of mission as well, that we are to continue in in the way of God's kingdom in this world and and to be focused on the things that He would have us to be focused on. And that involves us being prepared. Last week, as we lit the first candle, the candle of hope, we talked about, especially in light of uh, the things that uh, took place in Paris, And uh, things in our own neighborhood, I think, when we began church on Sunday, just that night, Saturday night, there had been two murders. One right here in the neighborhood, uh, a very brutal, I don't know if there's anything other than uh, a murder that's brutal, but a very terrible kind of situation um, that took place here. And then uh, another one in the city, and then I think just in this past week, others here locally that um, were, were... Uh, shootings and and murders have taken place but just since last week um, the uh, terrible things that have happened in california and we continue to think of our need of hope don't we i had to go back to that word several times isn't this the week of hope god i mean is we prayed for hope we talked about hope so where is the hope for for us here in our world Well, I think part of the answer is in that word. It is in preparation. So let's look at this and break down what John was calling the people to, because I think he would call us to the same things today. These words are for us today. And that we do our best in preparing by repenting. Now, no one likes that word repentance, right? If you're going to do penance, or you're going to repent of something or from something, then you're having to make that radical shift in your life. You're recognizing that there is uh, something that is wrong with your journey, that you're headed in the wrong direction, and you, you need to turn and go a different direction. It is a U-turn kind of turn. It's not a just a, a small little marginal kind of turn and adjustment. It's a major adjustment. John, again, recognized that, That his people, his religion, his nation, they were headed in a completely different direction than what God wanted. Life for them had become all about them. The light that God had given them to shine to the world was a light they were containing and just keeping to themselves. As Jesus would talk about a bushel, you don't cover up a a, a light with a bowl. You let it shine. That's what light is for. They were also keeping God's blessings to themselves. They were not sharing those with the world. They were not dispensing with mercy and with justice for all of the oppression and everything that was going on around them. They weren't doing this for each other as well, by the way. And so as we look throughout the Hebrew Scripture, we find time after time after time they keep getting it wrong. God keeps giving grace after grace to them. But this is a very serious message he gives through John. So John goes into all the region around the Jordan, all those hard names that Kyle did a great job of reading this morning, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And so this is, John was calling people, repent. And we need to do the same, don't we? I think we have a big problem with repentance in our society. And um, I, I know that we do as individuals, but we also do as in, in, as a corporate body. And uh, I think as we think about church in America, we have a lot to repent of as well, don't we? I think we do some pretty embarrassing things. And, and right now, there's some embarrassing comments uh, that are coming out about uh, Islam and other things. And one pastor... Um, Telling everyone that we all ought—he to, told his uh, graduating class at, at Liberty University—everybody uh, needs to, to take your uh, gun test, which we provide here for free at the church, and get armed so that we can protect ourselves against these Muslims, just like Jesus would do. And um, we have uh, other—we all have things that we say or do or don't do that. Uh, we need to uh, turn from and recognize there is a better way that is God's way. But there was an article I read not long ago that was uh, in the New York Times, and it is um, uh, some interesting information from Dr. Linda Gottlieb. And she says the practice of psychotherapy in the United States is losing its client base. So we're seeing uh, a decrease in psychotherapy. And uh, she says, in 11 years, the number of patients receiving psychological interventions plummeted by 30% uh, from 1997 to 2008. And the reason for this decline uh, is really complex, but Dr. Gottlieb focuses on one trend. Psychotherapy involves the long, hard work of facing our own issues. But many people today would rather blame others for their problems. In other words, psychotherapists used to see uh, patients who were unhappy and wanted to understand themselves and all the work that goes into that. Now they see more patients who come in because they wanted someone else or something else to change. As one of Gottlieb's colleagues put it, I'd see fewer and fewer people coming in and saying, I want to change myself. Maybe that describes how you are today. I think it certainly describes our culture, our society. That we don't want to change. It's not us. We're not the problem. It's somebody else. And we'll blame everybody else except ourselves. And Advent invites us to look inwardly, to see what it is inside of us that needs to change. Where is it within us that, that we have strayed off course and we've started going in our own direction? And, and where is it in your life that repentance is needed? Well, this season is a great opportunity for us to think about that. Just like Lent, Advent is calling us to be involved and participate with God in changing our lives. But it is also uh, a time for us to show that repentance. It's not enough for us just to say that we are repenting. It is necessary for us to show it. And I think that's what John was getting at, a baptism of repentance. That John says, it really doesn't count. Like you saying that you are following in the way of God, unless you get into the water, unless you show other people that you're making... This change. It is a way of kind of stepping out to show the world you're serious about following in God's way. And so John called them to come and do this. And it's interesting to think about how Jesus did this as well. And we talk about how Jesus was baptized. He, he was uh, he, he identified with us uh, in our humanity. That uh, he had nothing to repent of. That he was he was sinless yet He was willing to identify with us in our sins. And so we see the need and how people responded to that need. And I think it's exciting that um, Elaine was, was willing to come and to do that, to say that I want to identify with Christ in His death and resurrection, but I want to identify with all the other people in this church body and showing that I'm serious about my walk. A lot of people are visual learners. Are you a visual learner? Like if I'm trying to describe for you how to get from point A to point B, um, you would say, look, just draw me a picture, okay? I'll do a lot better if you just draw me a picture. That's the way I am. If I get a picture of something, a lot like if I'm trying to assemble something and I look at it, the picture on the box, um, I usually will do better than not looking at all, right? Or not looking at the directions especially, and I need to have a picture of it. What, what's it look like? What's it going to look like? And that's what baptism is. It is a picture because the world needs a picture, don't they? They don't need our words necessarily or, or exclusively. They need actions to go with those words. They need to see a full picture of it. And so I ask you today, are people around you seeing a picture of Christ in your life? Maybe you've got a great bumper sticker or maybe you have uh, something on your desk at work or, or you, uh, maybe you're one of those that gets your Starbucks cup and you're going to really rebel against culture and draw a cross on there or uh, a manger scene or whatever. Whatever it is, but are, are you showing people with your life and with your lived out faith in Jesus Christ what that looks like? Have you been baptized? And if you have, do you recall why? Do you recall what it means to be involved with that? And just a little while, when you uh, participate in our time of communion, there is some, uh, some water that is here. And I invite you to come and to dip your hand in the water. If you have been baptized, it is a way for you to remember your vows of baptism or your confession that Jesus is my Lord. And if you've not been baptized, this is a great invitation for you to be baptized as well. Now, what happens in the bowl doesn't count, right? But it's it's a great teaser or a way for you to think about baptism in your life. So that is another way for us to prepare, but also preparing by constructing. That we have been called to assemble something, that there is something for us to do and something for us to build. Uh, this quote from Isaiah, uh, John is picking up from that and, and he recognizes his role as a forerunner of Christ even to the point where he gives up the comforts of home and everything else and he puts on his, his sackcloth and he, he goes out and he eats locusts and wild honey and uh, just lives off the land. I mean, just what people would refer to as that crazy man out in the wilderness who is calling us to repent. The modern-day equivalent would be the guy who gets on the corner and yells at people. I, I remember we were going to the Red River Revel, and uh, we were going in on a Sunday. It was right after church, and Jenny and I went by just to you know look at everything. And there, was, uh, there were two people out there yelling at people, it had signs and everything about uh, the sin of the Red River Revel. If you go in there, uh, you are supporting Satan. And uh, so I felt a little uneasy buying tickets, going in there and, and uh, going to the beer tent or, you know, what? I, I felt like this guy was going to get me, you know, when I came out. And I wanted to ask the guy, uh, you know, or I wanted to say to him, I bet your pastor is in there. Uh, but I just, I didn't even say anything to him. But uh, I forgot where I was going with that. But anyway, uh, we are called to prepare the way of the Lord. And so John is holding up his sign. It's time to repent. And you need to be involved with doing something for God. And this is it. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make His paths straight. Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight. And the rough ways made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Just as you would prepare for the arrival of a king into your world. You are to prepare a way for God to come into the world. And this involves every bit of their activity, every bit of their energy, every bit of their knowledge, the things that God had given to them. They were to use in building and preparing. And this is what John was doing, even to the point where he was willing to die for his role of preparation. You and I are called to prepare we have work to do, don't we? Look at our world. It is upside down. It is full of chaos and terror and more than anything else, fear. And this is the world we live in. A new term came out this week, or at least that I had heard for the first time, and it was prayer shaming. Did you hear that? If you uh, are on Twitter or Facebook or looked at the news, picked up the paper, watched TV, you probably saw something about this term. And uh, it it came about as a result of uh, the daily news in New York putting uh, something on the cover the day after the uh, shootings there in in California. And it said, God isn't fixing this. And it had quotes from Ted Cruz, uh, Rand Paul, Lindsey Graham, Paul Ryan, where they were tweeting, our prayers are with the victims, uh, or my prayers and thoughts are with you. And so there was a a, a great outcry about this because, um, especially with these, because if you look at their uh, campaign donations and other things, you'll see that the NRA uh, definitely gives them a lot of money. So it does seem a little bit uh, contradictory when you see our prayers and thoughts are with you rather than we need to do something about this problem that we have with guns. I mean, there are other problems that go along with those who are shooting those guns, but we have a big problem. And uh, a priest that uh, I uh, follow on Twitter, James Martin, he, uh, he tweeted, God's not fixing things? Question mark. God fixes things by inspiring us to act. Don't blame God. Blame us for not listening. I like that. It's not God's fault. I think God is saying, what are you people doing? I've given you everything you need to know about how to make this a better world. I even sent my son into the world. And so what are you doing with all of that? You're supposed to be building something. You're supposed to be preparing something in this world. It's not God's fault. It's our fault. And the question is, what are we doing about it? Yes, it is difficult work. I was reminded this past week of how difficult it is to be involved in God's work in this world. Of preparing. Because it can be disappointing... It can be frustrating. It can seem like uh, there is, is no hope in this world for change. But God's a God of change, right? Do you really believe that this morning? That you and I and others in this world can actually change this world for the better? Well, that is our call. So what is the one thing you will do this next week to help prepare for what God wants to do in this world? Think about it. What is the one thing God wants you to do? And what are we to do as a church? As you go into this week, may your heart, your thoughts, your energy be tied in with preparation. With every kind of assembly or project or whatever we do, there are always those steps that we are to take. If you take the right steps, then it will happen as it is to happen. Our next step this morning is communion. As we come to participate in communion, as we take the bread, as we dip it into the cup, let us remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. That He came into our chaotic, crazy, terror-filled world to bring change. Stuff, and you're going to have all of this wealth, and you're going to have power. And uh, we've got jobs and, I mean, all kinds of stuff that they're advertising. Of course, that's just in their earthly existence. If you go blow yourself up, then you'll have um, all of this as soon as you get to heaven. Um, you know, you'll have a feast and virgins and, and all of this other stuff if you'll just join us. And the sad thing is that when these kids join this organization... They are discovering it's all a lie. But they can't get out of it. Isn't that so different from the kingdom of God that Jesus talked about? He never coerced anyone. He never sold someone something that didn't exist. He just said, whoever will come and follow, take up your cross, deny yourself, And follow me. And if you do, we will change the world. Do you believe Christ is your King? Let's pray.